So I'm thinking about three topics that are fairly related that have to do with getting useful data from conversations. And I don't mean that to sound like some kind of robot where um, you know, you're dealing with people and yet you also are trying to understand and make some kind of rigorous um, set of observations to help inform choices that all add up to a process with, with a little bit of rigor in it. And, and not, it's not sort of like following your gut and your whimsy and, and yeah, you talk to someone and now run off in any, any direction because you talked to someone and you got excited about what they said. Capture that, bottle that. That's great that you have this kind of um, inspiration. But then, you know, let, let uh, more, uh, more data guide you because what you have when you're out there researching and talking with folks, let's, let's try to keep this uh, scoped to... Um, as far as this, this podcast and how I'm exploring and thinking about the topic. Um, hmm. And I can't say I'll, I'll for sure stay in this sort of fenced-in area, but, but I'm thinking about how there are times when you're working on a project where it's really easy to just strike up conversations with who you're trying to serve. And that could be because of um, the environment. Maybe you are in a, um, I don't know, just a very conversive place or just the, there's a sort of a really open, passionate group that, that loves to talk about what they're really into. Like maybe you're at like a hobby event or maybe you're just in a big workplace and you're one team helping out another team working for the same company. But you want to make sure that, you know, you're understanding your audience more and you're, you are out there talking with them. And when you're talking with them, you can be gathering really useful data and that you're things that you, it's so awesome when you're talking with someone, you get inspired and you want to help. That's beautiful. Honestly, capture that. Um, and that's, that's, that's my point about that. The, you, know, you get the aha, like, Oh, I know what we could do. We can help this, these, these folks and make it so much better. Yay. Cool. Capture that. Also capture. <laughs> and as more importantly, I would pr- propose the stuff that people say, so have some kind of mechanism uh, where either you could be in the field alone and then you're probably going to want some way to record folks and you're going to need to get, to get their permission to record them. And, and it depends on the workplace because some workplaces just have this overarching thing, but it's still polite. It's still nice, right? When you're talking with someone, hey, we're going to record this because we're really trying to learn from these conversations and whatnot. And so what you're doing is then uh, you're, you're capturing and it's a blessing and a curse when you can record stuff because now you're gen- now, as soon as you're recording, you're generating data, a lot of it potentially, potentially an overwhelming amount. So um, <clears throat> try to have a, a thoughtfulness about maybe some key things you're trying to learn from the conversations. And at the very least, um, try, to, uh, try to limit yourself and, and have a sense of um, are you are you wasting this person's time? And um, is this going to lead to some somewhere helpful? And, and you know, let that guide you. Because, um, you know, ideally, you go out in the field and you've got some key questions you want to ask and learn from. And then you have, those questions are based on some key things you really want to learn. And then there's always the, and other stuff happens, right? So going out in the world and talking with people has a 
uh, organic randomality, squishiness and whatever. And that is exciting. That's awesome. Like you're going out in the world to learn and you know some of what you might learn, but you might not learn that. You might learn something completely different. That's awesome. Um, you know, good luck, intrepid explorer. And I hope you get some ideas and inspiration from going out and talking with people. But then, okay, so yeah, you've got all this data from going out and talking with people. And whether it was very structured, question to question, question, or a combination of organic and, and structured where you just said, hey, it looks like you're working on this. What's that like? And it stuff goes wherever it goes. And then you're watching the clock being thoughtful saying, oh, this has been so awesome. Thank you for your time and, and moving on. And then also, of course, rewarding participants if that's your mechanism for getting folks to uh, use their valuable time with you, which I hope you are if this is out in, out in public and stuff. Um, but even if you're working in a workplace, it can be nice to have a little something to um, spread gratitude and have the, have the event of someone researching be looked upon as, as nice. Oh, that was, a, that was a nice thing. It was neat to share some thoughts, to be heard, and... You know, oh, and I got a little, I don't know, got a little trinket, a tchotchke, or a gift card, or something. So you 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 do that, you do some research, and you think about the numbers here. It doesn't take a lot of time in the field to generate a lot of data. So especially if you're recording, and if you're taking notes, I hope well, I hope you have a mechanism so you can get that two channels of data. You can get what's being said by the by the folks that you're interviewing. And also sort of your observations, like what else is going on? What's happening in the environment? What are, what are their actions they're taking and doing? Um, if, they're, if they're actually using something that, per, that's, that, that uh, is relevant to your topic that you're trying to learn, are they excited? And, and, and like what gets them, um, you know, up or down about this topic? And you're making observations on that stuff, but, and which is not what they're saying. It's more what they're doing and also what you're feeling and thinking as a researcher which I think is an interesting separate channel. And I think it's especially an interesting separate channel if you have more than one, like if you've got a few other folks doing the research too, because then you can compare this other uh, data source of observations by the researchers. Super neat. Um, you can see the thing you think about like doing like uh, five, five, five minute interviews. Now you suddenly have uh, 25 minutes of um, raw data plus maybe other data that's you captured about the event to go through. And that's only for 25 minutes. And think about doing this for just eight hours. Like, yeah, we're going to go out in the field for a whole day. And maybe you don't get purely to eight hours of data. But even if you're at five or six hours of data, five or six hours of data now to sift through, think about that. It adds up. So tools like... Um, there's, there's places like rev.com that will do transcription of, of, of audio to text. There's places like, um, uh, well, otter.ai that will do that. <clears throat> so very interesting where you can get text from this, you know, audio if you're able to capture it that way. And it becomes uh, it, it, a different handy thing. And I think I described other the the um, last year during the uh, UX for all this this whole approach and this is just taking a fresh look at it um, and then combining it with a couple other things because when you're out there in the world talking with folks and you're getting all that data and trying to be thoughtful and to to be a great listener and uh, 
an, an observer in the field, uh, you you have a chance to get such useful data to, to make things that are really about, not about you and not about your team and, and what have you. That's other stuff to bring in. You're inherently including, like when you're working on something as a team, being being paid to make a, make a thing, of course, all, some amount of all your voices is going to be heard. I, and then this doing research is a way to include the audience. Um, there, you can certainly do a variety of mechanisms for research that include the audience in even more of of your day to day. But um, but doing some going out and asking people questions is a great way to bring those folks back into the back into the collaborative space with the rest of the team. And that's what you're doing as a researcher is is being that representative and bridging those bridging the worlds of uh, the different uh, different groups. But then I'll, as you're out there, you will have, um, I think this, this, uh, this is another uh, second topic to, to mention. When you're talking with others, you will inherently run into the idea, and this is when you're talking to people who are your external audience or even your collaborators, because doing that kind of research can be very helpful, and I'll get to that on the third thing, when you're, if you're doing it omnidirectionally, when you're doing interviews based on... Um, this place that you want to serve and you're actually interviewing everybody. But hold on before we get there. When you're interviewing any group, that's, you, that's not you. you. Everyone's got language that they use to describe the world. Everyone has a point of view and kind of a story and a set of causality of elements in that story that um, in a way, that's a mental model. And that's my paraphrasing of mental model. There's some great great books and resources on the whole topic. And there's even sort of uh, modeling exercises that help with making sense of how people uh, see and what they expect and all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm just, I'm forgetting. There's some really great work on this and, and there's a person and I'm forgetting her book. Ah, but it's called Mental Model, or Mental Models. And uh, we're all interacting with the world based on this our concepts and we have sometimes words that mean very different things, but we use the same word and different contexts. And so like, as, as you're doing this research and you have this curiosity in this exploration, I think you I think you'll come up with, um, well, both common vocabulary and then, um, perceptions of, of like, or different uses and context for that vocabulary. So it's worth thinking about is mental model. You're going to come out, come across, um, jargon and acronyms and let's see uh, alternate use of common words like uh, when someone says the word status they may mean mean different things like someone uses it as a noun someone uses it as a verb um, things like uh, let's see just different ways of seeing the world and what's inter interesting is you'll find I think it's one of the paths to see the the common ground among goals and whatnot too. When you're when you're really considering the uh, all right, so what are the needs of this audience and that audience, and how do they describe them, and how could we, um, you know, do useful things to be of service in this space and whatnot. So that's probably a whole separate giant topic. But then then just just the idea of um, reminding yourself that you hear a word. And you probably have assumptions, and it's worth investigating those assumptions as far as what someone really means when they say that word, especially if it's sort of one of the big nouns and verbs that are part of the defining aspects of the system. 
and then just it's worth exploring these other points of view. And speaking of other points of view, this is my third um, idea I wanted to visit in this uh, installment in Practicing UX for All. Uh, so we, we covered listening to gather data, we covered mental model, and then I can share a bit of a story of how I've applied this with um, when I was, I was working uh, as, a, as a sort of a lead UX in the field, helping investigate and, and, uh, and help a client find, um, find the right problems that they want to solve and uh, propose a path forward. And it was, a, it was an interesting situation where sometimes uh, you, can, you can work for, work, work for and with a client that has a, a lot of clarity about, oh, this is so-and-so, and they work on this aspect of the system, this is so-and-so, and so they have expertise that connects to different portions of the thing that maybe they'd overlap a little bit, but there's a lot of clarity somehow. Oh, so-and-so influences this part, and so-and-so, uh, you know, other influences this other part. But then sometimes you have these overlapping influences of, of um, oh, this person controls the homepage. Oh, this other person controls the homepage. Oh, by the way, this other person controls the homepage. And this, you're, all of a sudden you're like, well, all right. Well, clearly we're working together. What's our shared purpose? How do we, how do we move forward here? And then all of a sudden you get two and a half to three to whatever, 10 different purposes. And they don't all overlap. And then you're at a, it's an interesting puzzling point. So I was, at, I was in, a, in that situation, um, have been in that situation lots of times, but then um, got approved as a part of the, this, this project, um, some, some investigation and research within the walls, not just with, with, the, with the audience. Um, we had some uh, also approval to work on some, um, well, let's see, I think it was a, um, both card sort study and also a usability study to again find signals about you know ways where the um, wa- ways to rearrange the navigation of, of the site. In the end, this is, was about to improve the navigation performance of a web presence to both inform and to sell things. So to help folks with, as a reference, and then also to to help them just go get more of it. Anyway. Um, but the different stakeholders, there's, there just wasn't a lot of harmony and all that. So how, what, how I proposed we go about it, ended up getting approved, was let's do interviews with everyone involved. And we will end up finding like the, the most important things that, that would have an impact on, on the different areas. And then let's see what that list is. And if everyone agrees on it, then that would be the space that we research and, and then try to improve with the audience. And that's, and that's where, so these techniques of, of just, you know, going out in the field, the field was just, you know, interviewing folks in the, in the, uh, um, in the business, right. And then finding more folks. And so, so getting enough of the list of people who had an influence or stakeholders or what, what would you, uh, whatever you would like to call them on the project and hearing their words. And so incorporating that into a, a little, a, a little body of research and saying, well, here are the themes that emerged. And these were the ones that, that were rated 
as big frustrations, and these were the ones that were rated as really important to the business. And so you got to th- you got to hear it, everyone, and everyone felt heard. And and the the little sort of summary that 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 we produced at the end of it, well, um, and and in the presenting of it, everyone saw their voice. Everyone saw that ah, okay, yeah, this seems fine. And so like the disagreements and the and the the you know feelings of frustrations and dealing with scarcity of like who can change what and what have you, there was enough. Um, shared purpose and common ground to move forward. So listening to gather data and being uh, thoughtful, reflective, structured, um, using enough rigor, you can get so much, you can, you can help others communicate well and, and learn. You can help yourself understand more about a group and recommend things better, not just based on your own assumptions as a, as a designer, because you will have projects you've seen and ways that worked, and you'll think, ah, we probably should do that thing again, the thing that worked. But will it really for this audience? Maybe, probably, but find the, find the way where it's, it, it's relatable and relevant to them through their words by doing the research. So listening to gather data, discovering the mental models, and then that last part, I didn't tell you the title, but it was... Um, Let's let's call it this a callback to the um, to the bad weather um, episode, the post where maybe let's, there was a little bit inclement, but it created some some chaos and turn on the project, and that was a way to move forward. And one th- the title I used for this at some points in my career is, is dealing with the sort of conceptual structure of a project, and it's the because um, you can talk about an object, but what about the intent behind the object? And that's where you get into this, the conceptual structure. And I've called it even like conceptual uh, architecture, conceptual information architecture, what have you. Because especially you inject that, um, well, here's what we provide because of this. And it has these effects for these different groups. And you find a, a way to visualize the common ground, the goals of the audience, the goals of the business, and maybe even how that changes over some process over time. Like it could be, a conversion funnel. It could be um, a um, the creation of a product in its different stages or forms, right? So something going from uh, raw material to something um, refined as as maybe even combined with lots of other things and put on the retail shelf or what have you. Um, and so then that's like a supply chain kind of thing, dealing with those stages. It can be a lot of things. But you're dealing with this then this comb- combination of goals and time and audience, and it tells a story. It shows, you know, where where we might go. And then, then if you include uh, things you made to address those concerns, and all of a sudden you've got this whole conceptual map. And then you can talk about the objects that fulfill the duties of this conceptual map. All right, that's a big separate topic, and uh, one I probably should do. A workshop on, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing these posts. So yeah, what is this? Who am I? So yeah, I'm Rob Stenzinger, and I've I'm a I'm a UX designer. I mean, that's what I am at heart. Uh, how I bring this into the world right now is is I do a combination of I I make interactive experiences, and I I teach and coach about interactive experiences, and especially related to this field of user experience and and you know, making research informed decisions, and how do you do that? Uh, well, with 
where you're working, but also how do you do that for yourself? So I'm a coach also. And that's, um, so one of the reasons why I'm doing this series, uh, which I was calling UX for All, and now I think it's maybe called Practicing UX for All, because there's so many layers at different levels, like like levels, I don't know, I don't mean to create a hierarchy, a false, you know, tower of stuff, but the, uh, like you may be just starting out, maybe you don't even identify yourself as a designer, but you're like, that looks useful to help conversations you're having. Awesome. That's, yeah, that's, that's the spirit of UX for all. But then if you've, you've been in the field practicing this and you just want to hear how someone who also has been in the field practicing this thinks about stuff and that's just helpful food for thought. Well, awesome. Then you're practicing UX for all. And so am I. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring my thoughts, the different, different venues and their different venues, different paths in my journal um, veins of information in the mind of piles of stuff. And I don't know what exactly I'm going to do with it other than, well, hi, I just did a podcast on it, but then, yeah, we'll see. I, I think there are threads and there are stories in here that I think I'm, I could be a helpful voice in sharing in, I don't know what form, like workshops, sure. But then maybe other stuff too, maybe a book. I don't know. So that's why I'm doing this. And, and uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a journal. It's a bit of a, um, a sharing exercise that's part of this pod. I put it into the Polytechnicast, which is a place where I do that kind of thing. And also, this is like this month, like you can look at the feed of the Polytechnicast and you see, hey, there's a whole bunch. There's like a heat map of right around November. <laughs> sure, sure are a lot of those uh, Polytechnicasts coming out. Well, that's because I, um, I challenge well, collaborator Jersey Droz and I, we challenge ourselves and one another to like do this journal podcast casting thing more. We're excited about it. We love it. We encourage ourselves, encourage the world to participate in this thing that we call Art Sound Off. And that's this creative challenge that happens every November. That's the main event. You could do this anytime though. And there's some approaches and and tools and encouragement to do that at artsoundoff.com. And of course, if you follow the hashtag artsoundoff, you'll see the things that people have posted over the six years of this Creative Challenges existence. All right. If you have any questions or reactions about any of this, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on the um, social spaces like Twitter and Instagram at Rob Stenzinger or via email. I am Rob at shieldsstenzinger.com. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 